Washington, India. Today we have with us Michael Liss, who is the owner and CEO of Spec Media. And just to give you a little bit of his background, he started Spec Media in 2009 when he was first approached by Starbucks to create their MySpace page back in the day, right? And then from there, he's gone on to designing MySpace, Facebook, Twitter channels for a lot of companies, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, including MGM Resorts, the Minor League Baseball, a lot of the celebrities, social media companies, and just a lot of clients across the U.S., so very excited to have him here, guys. Please welcome Michael. Michael, how are you? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here. So before before we get started with anything else, why don't we do this? Can I please give you a chance to introduce yourself, just a little bit about you, your family life, your professional life, how you got started? Like you said, Michael Liss is my name. I've owned Spec for 15 years. I've lived in Naperville almost all my life. Beautiful wife, a school teacher in the district of 204 here in Naperville. Children, three great looking kids. Some of them have my personality, but more of my wife is in them than me. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> I'm more of the gambler and okay. my wife is more of the foundation builder, but I'm glad that they have a couple, a little bit of a gambling side in them. And then, I don't know, what else can I say? I think built this company for 15 years, had to have the experience to work with a lot of great people over okay. that time. I truly love the process of a small business okay. from the startup to the growth to the pitfalls that happen and to the rebuilding. So I think I'm in love with small business and, okay. and it's a great thing. I know you have a small businesses clients, medium sized and large clients. What type of clients do you find the most rewarding? It's definitely the small businesses, right? Like you said, we do work with great Fortune 500 companies, celebrities and mm. things of that nature. But I think my love is definitely for the people that are starting their own business or have their business started because I see so much of myself in them mm -hmm. and the mistakes that I've made, I'm able to not only deliver great social media for them, but able to say, this is probably going to happen in three months from now. You should be prepared for this. Mm -hmm. So I think that's my greatest thrill. All the, the cosmetic stuff of the really cool clients, those are fun, but it's more as a business grows from a small business to like a Fortune 500, I would say the candidness and the ability to move your boat quicker leaves it. And I think sometimes with that, we go through the motions as a business with the bigger ones where the small businesses, we can be more agile. Okay. What makes me curious is you started Spec Media in 2009. Yeah. Social media is not one of your engineering or medical or those type of <laughs> backgrounds. So colleges don't, they teach social media now, but 2009, I assume it was not as common. Where did the, where did your interest in social media come from? Come from. I mean, especially in creating and helping companies create. Yeah. Content. So like by trade, I was, so I had a strategy practice and that sort of morphed into in the dot-com era, it was always websites, right? right? So what happened with social was, and it was like you were brought up in my bio about our, one of our first clients, Starbucks, them wanting to do a MySpace page or a Facebook page. And to me, I was, I had no idea what it was. So I almost had to self-train myself into what this was. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized is it's with a lot of things. So you could be a great architect and you could know how to build buildings. But at the end of the day, what you sell to clients or what you deliver to clients is the process of building the building. And I realized right from the beginning that without having a process, a business process behind social media, no one was going to buy this and no one would even see the value in what we were delivering. Mm -hmm. So that was very key. 
Okay. Where did I learn? Like, I, yeah, to deviate on that. Where did I learn social media? I had a partner. She's still with me today, Uni Chase. And we both learned it together by working with Facebook, which was brand new at the time. So it was like calling Facebook on the phone, sending emails saying, can we be a developer? Can we learn this with you guys? And then I would say the love for social media, and I still have it today, is I really believe that social media is such a powerful tool that we still don't even know what we're dealing with. I think when it first came out, it was the ability to connect so many people, to be able to talk to, to tweet the president. And then it changed. I think that's what kind of happens with all types of technologies is it comes out and then it morphs into something maybe that we don't like. But I still believe that the power of social media can can do miraculous things. You're right. It's hard to put social media in a box. Right. Because for different companies, for different people, it has different meaning. I'm curious on how did you decide to pursue social media as a business? Was it the passion, the money, the curiosity? <laughs> did you come from a business family? owner family? No. That yeah. was like, hey, no. whatever you do, you have to do it as a business. <laughs> I think it's funny because most business owners, they come from parents usually that were like blue collar work. So it was, I, and I wouldn't say it was never about the money. Definitely needed to eat, but <laughs> that wasn't the reason. I did tell my wife, like when I left my job to create spec and to go down in this field, I told her, I said, well, we're going to be broke for probably a year. It's not going to come right away. But I did say that in business, it's almost like surfing a wave, right? There's all these waves breaking along the shore and a lot of waves in my life I've caught after they broke. So the amount it carried me was great. It was profitable. But the social media wave, I caught right at the right time. I knew that this thing was going to break so big and for so long. And I remember one conversation where I was flat broke and I looked at my wife and we were having dinner and she's like, we have $100 to eat this dinner tonight. And I said, well, that's a lot of money. But it really wasn't. But then... Look around you and I said, these logos, this Facebook, this Instagram wasn't back then, but like Facebook, MySpace, mm. these are going to be on everything. Just like the website, the dot com was on every piece of printed material. And she was like, come on. And I said, trust me, it's going to be a new way to communicate. Did you start Spec Media while you were pursuing a job and then you decided to run a company? Or you said, right. you know what? I'm going to go cold cut, <laughs> quit everything, and just focus strictly on spec media from day one. Yeah. Just like they say on Shark Tank, they always, anybody that comes there, they say, are you working another job and trying to do this? And if you're working another job, they don't like to work with you. I cut my job cold turkey. Wow. And I said, I believe in this social media thing so wholeheartedly that we should do it. Another reason why I did it or started a business was because I was very tired of playing the corporate ball game. Mm. where you're kissing up to a person ahead of you, you're playing this game, your raise is incremental, and if the company goes into bad times, they fire you. Yes. And I told my wife, I said, I'm just so tired of doing this. I would like to create a company that takes everything that I've learned mm. and does the right steps, even if they might be painful. My parents, yeah, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And my dad was an engineer. So my dad was in highly intelligent, and I'm very creative. Engineers and creative people don't work that well. And my dad never saw eye to eye with my decisions. But I think that's why I still chose that path. Because I was like, if you feel like this is to young kids out there, to teachers out there, anyone that's listening to this, you whatever you do, you really need to love to do it. And it'll never be work. 
mm-hmm. if you love it. And you have to believe in the process like 100%. If you're only half in or 75% in on anything, mm-hmm. whether it's school, life, your marriage or anything like that, it'll never work. So I was like, cold turkey, we're doing this and we're going to do it the right way. Okay, so cold turkey, you said <laughs> you're going to be full head on, uh, give it your all. Were there any sort of like hesitations or concerns of starting up? Like how do you get clients right. or worrying about a continuous income? Right. What were some of those hesitations? Help me understand that, please. No, number one is definitely sales, right? So I was very good at sales in my past job. That besides being creative, sales is important. So mm-hmm. I never thought we would struggle with sales. But like you said, I think the process not just the process of what we were delivering, but the management of people and the management of a business is very difficult, especially for a creative person. So that was my biggest worry. And it still is today. 15 years later from the start of this business, management always gets in the way. I'm the worst at managing people. I am the worst at managing a business. Okay. But what I've learned, and I've, I'm very fortunate because I had a mentor when I started my business. Okay. And my mentor gave me his business accountant and lawyer who helped me with the management part. And okay. my mentor told me that if you own a business and you don't know something, the mm-hmm. best thing to do is to hire someone that does. Because you can't do everything. Okay. I appreciate you saying mentor. I feel mentors are like your cheat code in life. Yeah. Can you tell me a little more about your thoughts of mentorship? Yeah. How have you used them effectively? Where do you find some of the aha moments in talking to them? Can you just help me understand that? Sure. I think I took him. He took me on when... So usually in a business, what happens is you, the start is very difficult. And then what happens is you start making a lot of money. But because you have no idea how to run a business, you lose that very quickly. Mm. And that's where my mentor came in and mm. said... It looks like you're having some pitfalls. And I was just like, how about a business loan? And he was like, we're not going to give you a business Mm -hmm. loan because you'll just spend that money. Right. So he was like, but let me mentor you and give you the help you need. So at probably year two of spec, he was very big at making sure I was mentally stable doing what I was doing Mm -hmm. and also making sure that like I was making the right choices. Now, 15 years later, I still talk to him. It's funny that we're talking about this because I actually just texted him last night and it was just out of the blue. He asked me how I was doing and I told him that we're in a pretty bleak recession or we're coming up to a recession and he would gave me like three pointers of how to deal with it. So I think that relationship is, to me, it's really important because I think one thing that small business owners don't have mm-hmm. is they don't have a rule book of how to do it. And it comes up all the time. Yeah. The way I've used mentors effectively is just being transparent. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I need your help. And sometimes I found I don't necessarily like the advice that I get because it means <laughs> I have to go to work. Oh, I hope you share some of that dynamic a little bit. Yeah. Have you, do you always get to hear what you like to hear? Do you sometimes get pushed in directions? You're like, ah, oh, okay, I know I got it. Nope. some of the challenges there. He all the time, he tells me everything I don't want to hear. So that is an interesting side of the mentor relationship, right? Because I always just want to complain. And then instead of just say, him agreeing with me, he goes, well, did you think about doing this and this? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't justify my complaint. So I think it is very interesting. And, and uh, it's such a great relationship that there's three divisions of spec or three separate companies. And... In each one, I've mentored that person that is running that business. It's good. You gotta get. You gotta give back because if you don't, you'll have this whole line of business owners that don't have mentorship. Yeah. So 
when you got started, right? A lot of entrepreneurs are two-minded, right? One side of it is, hey, I'm going to plan everything before I execute. I'm going to come up with a business proposal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk, look at a marketing plan. I'm going to hmm. come up with strategies. Yeah. And then I'll go to work. And then you have the other side, which is, hey, just start. I'll go to work. I'll make a mess and I'll figure it out. I was like, how did you balance yourself between those two? Those two. Yeah. I'd say I'm in the middle. It's like Mission Impossible, right? right. Like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible has this plan of yes. how everything's going to go. And then there'll be something like, oh, how do we climb up the tower? And he's just like, we'll figure that when we get there. So mm-hmm. I have that part of business too, where okay. I definitely, when it comes to selling. I have a very fierce plan. There's okay. always a process behind what I'm doing, whether right. it's finding the people to sell business to and also right before delivery. Here's how things are going to work. That's really important to me. Mm-hmm. The process after that, I rely on my employees for because they're much better at it. Mm-hmm. But I will say that understanding what they're doing and being able to do it is very important. Not my mentor, but someone in business told me a long time ago that your organization is only as strong as your weakest link. A person that's opening the door of the hotel, if that person isn't happy, that whole that whole hotel doesn't function. So to me, I like to learn the jobs of everyone in spec. And it's really, to me, it's important because not only can I talk to them, but also I know how to do it as well. Okay. And I'm glad you've learned to use your team effective. It's super hard for you to think of all the different possibilities yeah. of not just strategy, but the execution side, the tactical side of mm-hmm. things. That's where you need a good team. Yeah. Okay. So you start up Spec Media. You had all this plan to put into work, put into action. Your wife was supportive <laughs> of you be, being okay with struggling for the first year or two. What were some of those struggles and challenges that you had to overcome? I'm sure you went in with certain expectations, but then reality hits. Yeah. So help me understand some of the struggles. Number one struggle is always access to capital, right? Like small businesses usually don't get bank loans. So as a small business, no matter if you're five to 20 employees, you're usually always looking for capital. So the most important pitfall that you usually come across is money isn't coming in as fast as you need to pay employees in order to do marketing, to do advertising, to do all these different things with your business. That's always a pitfall and that always comes up. And you have to work around that. I think the most important thing is to be transparent, to be transparent with yourself as a business owner. Okay, we can't run ads because we don't have that money to do it. So we have to guerrilla warfare, a different way to advertise. So I think with every pitfall that you ever always have, when I see a pitfall coming in, what I try to do is assess what that pitfall is and then say, how can we tackle that? And usually finances is always number one with the small business. But I would say also in a small business is just over the years, we've had a lot of different things, I think. No, but I could give you, I could give you a lot of funny stories. Like I, when I first started spec, when things started rolling, we were doing really well. And then I took on Bona Beef, so Bona, right? The Bona companies. And uh, at the time, we were totally fine. What I didn't know at the time was that Bona had 30 restaurants in Chicago. And they had, they also owned, I signed a contract with them, and they also owned like Gino's Pizza. They also owned like Brett Favre Steakhouse in Wisconsin. I didn't know any of these things. A catering service. And the relationship was always good. And me being Italian and them being Italian, we butted heads a lot. Mm. But what ended up happening was Bona pretty much bankrupted us. Wow. Because 
we were so overextended and we didn't have enough people to deliver social media to all these places. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was crazy. Like we had this as in a client and it was literally taking money away from us instead of giving it to mm -hmm. us. And I assessed the problem and you bring up a really good point about the mentor thing. So like when I came, when that became like almost a company that it was a great client, but almost totally took down spec media. Mm -hmm. And at the time I, I was a lot younger. I was just like, what we're going down? Like, what are we going to do? Like, this is crazy. And uh, I talked to my mentor and he said, you need to start making very tough decisions. And the tough decisions are you need to let go of people to mm -hmm. get skinnier as an organization. Mm -hmm. All the same things that these businesses are doing right now. That's what I find fascinating mm -hmm. is the big business world assimilates what's going on with the small business. Mm -hmm. And we had to cut people that you don't want to do as a business owner. It's incredibly hard. You had to change the contract so you had to go back to bonus and say this just isn't working and then you also had to find ways to augment that client that client at that time was like 80 responsible for 80 percent of our business but we were like we had to find other sources of revenue while we downgraded this client okay and oh my gosh you have no idea i can't even believe we got out of that and after that, I thought I can do anything. And then other pitfalls were these other companies like COVID again presented a completely as far as thinking that everything was going to stop, but it didn't, it actually quadrupled for us because everyone needed social media. So again, I almost saw the bonus situation coming again with COVID where we had too many clients, like we had a wait list. And I was just like, how do we handle this? So like with every problem, you do go through this learning experience, which is really interesting. So I want to take us back to the employee part yeah. because we get to hear a lot of things about CEOs mm -hmm. that have to lay off people. And sometimes it can come across to outsiders as CEOs making cold decisions, right. laying people off. They don't understand the employees' lives and things like that. Whenever you've had to downsize, how have you handled that? Yeah, it's tough, right? That's, again, I'm a pretty big movie buff, so I take a lot of lines from movies. And one of them is from Moneyball, right, where Brad Pitt says... How do you tell an athlete that he's getting traded? And instead of he's like, would you want like all these gunshots all over your body and bleed out this way? Or do you just want to run straight to the head? So I totally find that completely works. If I have to lay an employee off or say it's over, I tell him straight up. I just say, look, this is it. This is the real story. Transparency. This is what it is. And they respect you a lot more for that. But I will say it is one of the hardest things to do because I'm exactly like you. I think about their family, their kids. I am the kind of CEO that like, if we're having a great week or I'm just happy, I send everybody $25 Starbucks cards. So I am a huge relationship driven person and my employees to me are what makes this spec media work. And largely I sell things, but they're the ones that are the heart of spec and, uh, to lay any of them off is just, it's a very tough decision. But again, it's people, right? Like, I think the biggest thing about people is they're very resilient. All of us are. And if someone gets laid off, it is going to sting right away. But if they derived any value from working for your company, mm -hmm. they'll take those learning lessons and apply it to another job, which they will eventually get. And it's very difficult. It's a it's one of the hardest things in business, I think. And it's also even hard to, there's a flip side to this coin. It's when an employee leaves a business. Yeah. And that, ha honestly, in the day and age we live, that's more than someone getting laid off. Yeah. Somebody that you invested yeah. a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of money into, 
and they decide to take those skills someplace else. Yeah, I find that's the hardest. And those are the ones that just beat me up. Like when I lose a client for any reason and when an employer leaves for any reason, to me, my wife will see my face when I walk in the door and I'm just like, oh my gosh. And it's really hard because everyone says that business is not an emotional thing. Mm. And I think it has a lot to do with emotions. I think that I could be selling socks and it's not so much about what I'm selling. If I... As a person buying the sock, you care that the sock is made right, it's colorful, and it works. Mm. To me, we're buying a relationship, right? Mm. Relationship is, you can get socks from me, they're good socks. Mm. And then the relationship that we grow together is the most important thing. And that's both with your employees and with your clients. Okay. Mm. Good stuff. Okay. So, so, so let me bring us to the positive side of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked about struggles and challenges. Right. Can you help me to shine some of the accomplishments and successes that were completely unexpected or maybe they were planned for and you're like hey we planned for this we got there yeah. mission accomplished help me understand some of those things some of those things definitely one is i think best part so again this is more like of a business thing there is nothing more rewarding at the end of the day is seeing something that you created in a company mm. being taken to another height that you never imagined to by people that had nothing to do with this when you started so like when you see that happen and I see it in, it's to me, it's like the little wins. Like when I see a really good social media post that we did, I'm just like, holy cow, that was like really awesome. Oh, Spec did that. Or if I see something like we're in a presentation and an employee says something to the client and I'm just like, wow, I never, that's really good. Because as a business owner, your business is like a big child and you're always like on your kid about something okay. like, and, or at least I am. And to see your kid accomplish things that you never thought you would accomplish, to me, those are the biggest wins ever. I could give you like specific wins and there, there's always clients that, it, again, it's always the small business ones. Like in Vegas, we work with all those hotels, like MGM hotels, which is a good portion of the strip. But to me, it's like the guy that owns it, like Saginaw's Deli in Circa, like we work with Paul Saginaw and like his restaurant. And he's just like, Mike, we're doing so good. And he's like, I don't know if it's social media. And I'm like, hey, that's great. So those kind of wins are good. And I really get happy about probably uh, going off on a tangent, but a long time ago, we worked with MB Financial Bank that doesn't exist anymore. Right. It bought, got bought up by Fifth Third. But we literally, from a cold call, like, so their marketing director called us just a, on a whim. Mm. And we built their social media from scratch for this huge, for this big bank. And man, I'll tell you, I was so proud of it because no one had ever really done anything in financial services with social media before. So right. I remember back in the day, I was like, I kept telling my wife, I was like, wow, this is just awesome. I don't know other banks that are even like breaking right? new ground. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, this is groundbreaking at mm. the time. And it was so groundbreaking that we went to a dinner. I went to an MB Financial dinner where one of the founders of Facebook, his name was Chris Hughes, sat at our table. And then the CEO of MB Financial was like giving us accolades. And he was like, this is our company. And wow. this Chris Hughes guy was just like, well, that's cool. It was like nothing to him. And I was like, well, this is a huge win. Wow. You know, but okay. Yeah. So we've had some really big ones. Okay. And small. I'm going to ask you to talk about some of your financial literacy as a business owner. Okay. Because we talked about profit loss, yeah. accounting, debt management, investing. You didn't come from a business owner background, right. nor did you come from a business owner family. How did you figure out some of those things? Oof, that's the, those are the hard knock lessons, right? So I'm really bad with money. 
I know how to make money, but managing money is very tough. And I've only learned this lesson probably within the last five years. So if I've owned spec for 15 years, 10 of those years was a rocket ship just going places, hoping that we always had money. Mm -hmm. Profit and loss, P&L, is one of the most important lessons in business. And without it, and without understanding it, it is very difficult to run a business. That's mm -hmm. how it all goes down. And uh, so learning that lesson was enormous. And how did I learn it? You learn it again. I go back to the mentor, my accountant, my accountant slash lawyer every day is like, he even said it to me like a month ago. He said, look at our trend lines from November of last year to where we are now. And I'm just like, come on, we're fine. And he's like, no, he's like, let's take a look at profit and loss. And then when you take a hard look at profit and loss with business, it's really important. And I think for everyone that's watching from an educational standpoint, profit and loss is a very loose term. Profit and losing it or what's going out the door, what you're making versus what you're taking in. And, but there's a lot of nuances in that, that a lot of business owners don't understand is, is it unrealized profit? Is it realized? Is it ancillary? Where are you getting that from? On the other side of the equation with loss, is it expenses? Is it the cost of doing something? Again, I like, I watch so much Shark Tank, which probably is one of my best business 101 classes. It's always amazing to me how small numbers compound over time. And I, in the last five years, I've learned this. And it is fascinating where, like, on these glasses, like, this one thing might cause, cost one cent. But if you're buying that at an exorbitant rate, it costs more than these whole glasses. And even though we don't sell a product, thank God, because... I think the people that are in retail selling products, anybody that's selling products, it's a tougher business than I have. Mm. But in services, you almost have to, it's more of a magic trick. You have to see in the service, how much is it costing us to do tweets every day of the week? How much is it costing us to optimize a, a Twitter channel? So those costs are tougher too. Again, sales cures all. But have you heard that Same. before? That's a Shark Tank thing too. And but I think like a lot of people are, if you're selling against a tremendous headwind, like for example, where we are now, you have to look at different ways to sell and different ways to add to that quarterly revenue. So we do, we basic quarterly, a lot of companies don't do that. They're just, here's where we were last year and here's where we are this year. And I think you have to get into that. Like our goal, I set a lot of goals sales wise, like how many new clients a month. And sometimes I understand we might not hit that. What are our targets? both monthly and quarterly so mm -hmm. I can see where spec is. Okay. Yeah. okay. So if you had to look back, why do you think financial literacy, why do you think it's a critical skill set that is important to learn earlier on versus trial by fire? Yeah. For everyone watching, because the numbers are definitely what everything is about. It sounds like so crazy. This is coming from a creative person and I can't stand numbers, but the older I get, I realize more and more how much numbers and learning about the equations that go into business determine your successfulness. It sounds like I always think that I can create anything out of thin air with sales. Mm -hmm. And most sales guys think that. But when it really comes down to it, you have to look at, you could take that and apply it to, oh, December is one of the worst sales months of the year. So by numbers, right, you have 30 days in there. How many days are you going to devote for sales? We take out Christmas break because no one's around. So numbers even play a factor in that. The equations that go into business are just unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you a last question, which yeah. because of all the things you've said, it's made me really curious. What are some of your motivations to get out of some of the doldrums? How to keep yourself motivated to go out there and pursue bigger, better things? Do you 
listen to podcasts, you read books, talking to mentors. Yeah. What are some things that you do to keep yourself going? I try to absorb as much knowledge every day as that I can. That's a really good question. I actually do that. To me, it's like I literally write down or before I go to bed the night before. I go on walks. On my walk, I take about an hour walk every day. I walk to my mom's house. And I, it allows me to clear my head. It allows me to think about what I want to do today, but in the rest of the week. And what I try to do is I try to absorb as much knowledge as I can in a day. I do it for two reasons. One is for sales. If you are talking to someone, you should know the current topic of the day no matter what. If it's ChatGPT, you should know everything about ChatGPT. Yeah. By acquiring that knowledge, how can you apply that to your business and to your company? So if the knowledge... It, is ChatGPT, it's how could we use ChatGPT to make our process at spec easier and more streamlined. So I think like in small business, you can never get complacent to where you are. You always have to keep thinking there's going to be someone better out there that I need to compete with and we need to change them. Once the wheel works, it's fine, but you could make the wheel better all the time. And there's the time period that we live in it's unfortunate that i'm almost 50 but this time period is probably like one of the greatest i've ever seen the amount of information out there yes. is unbelievable it's like unmatched and the amount of things to put it in a social media perspective like tiktok like has revolutionized social media it has changed the algorithms it has changed the types of content that we see and i'm like fascinated by it I, honest honestly in 15 years, I would say the last three years, I was, I'm not saying I was bored with social media, but I was just, that's cool. That's Twitter, it's Facebook. I've seen this. Stands I've done cool. this. Yeah. And then like TikTok comes along and I, of course, like older people were always hesitant to, oh, TikTok, I don't want to mm -hmm. do that. But then I forced myself to say, I've got to learn this. I got to learn it backwards and forwards, just like I did when I started the company. And then when you start learning it and you realize different things about it it really becomes very interesting yeah good stuff yeah good stuff <laughs> mike thank you i think you've added a lot of value did i, I give enough out there you know, i you have my wheel spinning on and asking more questions but i think we'll have to do a second session for sounds that. good anytime. No, anytime thank you thank you for coming in thanks for having me thank you so much awesome